I'm Josefina von Sundinvumba. Welcome to Retential Conversations, the podcast. I truly believe in the untapped potential existing in African within African communities inside and outside of Africa, whose talent, hard work, and innovations can help and are helping transform our societies. I also believe in the value of the stories and that by sharing, we can identify common lessons, challenges, and opportunities for growth. This podcast is for those interested in African narratives and topics that touch African communities, with the hope of creating a safe platform for open conversation, learning, and inspiration. I hope you're as excited as me and that you enjoy listening. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening in. Have you ever strongly felt something is no longer meant for you but been too afraid to take a leap of faith onto the unknown? Well, if this is you, I think you'll find this interview truly inspiring. Today, I'm very happy to share with you a few highlights from my chat with Bisila Bococo, a fellow Spanish Equatorial Guinean businesswoman, philanthropist, and speaker. Bisila's journey has been a huge source of inspiration for me. She's got lots of great advice about businesses and entrepreneurship, but also some really inspiring thoughts about the power of positive belief in yourself and trusting what the universe has to offer. Enjoy it and let me know what you think. My name is Bisila Bococo and I was born in Valencia, in Spain. My family comes from Equatorial Guinea. Basically, I spent 24 years of my life living in Spain. I went to college in Spain and I studied law and economics. A mix. It was a mixed title between law and economics. And when I finished law, um, I was extremely confused because I was not really in love with the career. I I really love what I study and the legal education that I got, but the legal day-to-day life, it was not for me. So I experienced a time of confusion after college and um, probably it was this kind of nervous breakdown because you are five years, I was six years because I have a mix between economics and law. So you are every day knowing that you have exams, that you need to study for something. So when I finish, I, I face fear because then I said, what is next? So I went to that moment of panic and I remember I told my parents, oh, I'm thinking about maybe going to my PhD or maybe do an MBA or another <laughs> thing. And they said, well, if you pay for it, no problem. (laughs) Just do whatever you want, but now you are by your own. So find your way. And that was a wake up call. And I didn't really know what to do. So I went to different um, law firms. I tried to uh, get into the life of being a lawyer. And the fact that also my father was a lawyer, I also trained with him. I was a trainee with him for a few months. But it just didn't click. And I remember the last year, I have one last class of international marketing and I heard about international business. And something resonates to me. And um, and then it's when I said, wow, this is sounds interesting. And I applied to the internships that they have to for international business that they were offering at that time, it was Ethex and uh, also Ivex because they have the 
the government of Madrid have uh, some, and also each community also had their own international business uh, internships. So I was very fortunate to get one of them. And it was very interesting because what happened is that I wanted to go as far as I could from Spain. I knew very clearly that I didn't want to continue my life in Spain. Not for anything, it was because it was too small for me and I wanted to just expand my wings and go to a different countries. And there were eight internships at that time. Five were in international business, in, in countries, and three were in Spain. And I got one of that three that it was sustained in Spain in Valencia. So I was very pissed off with that news. But eventually it worked for my own advantage because from that I could work with the different markets because I was in the information department. So when something was coming from Russia or from Turkey or Morocco, or from Los Angeles or New York, any of the offices that they have internationally, I kind of um, get to know that information. So I had a very nice broad vision of what was international business for companies from Valencia going to that market. So that gave me a very good overview. And then the year after I was offered to go to, to New York and ever since I'm here, I've been 18 years now. How would you describe what you do right now? How would you describe yourself in terms of your professional career? I'm an entrepreneur. So that, that will be the, the simple way to put it. And I'm global ambassador for brands. That's the two hats that I'm wearing. Then this hat has been developing and being a speaker and be a mentor um, for youth, which is something that I really love to do too. How did you come to discover what you were passionate about and, and what career you wanted to pursue? Well, I, I think I invented my own career. I, I, I don't think this existed. Or if it existed, I didn't really care because I developed something that works for me. I wanted to make sure that I do something that I feel good doing every single day when I wake up in the morning that I feel passionate about what I'm doing. So that's the reason why I wanted to be an entrepreneur because it gave me the freedom to really make decisions about what I feel good to do. And because my background is law, economics and international business, it makes sense that what I really have a passion is to open the key, open the markets to other people who want to go international. So that's one part of the, the things that really excite me about my work is that when someone wants to be relevant in another market, I'm able to open that market to that person who wants to be relevant. I did it before with corporate people, but now I also do it with individuals. Some of my clients are artists. I work with cultural organizations. So I work with artisans, people who want to expand their wings and just go overseas. Mm. So once you decided, for example, that an entrepreneur was something that you wanted to do, you wanted to span your wings and be free, what were the first steps that you had to take to actually become that? It was not a decision that I took by myself. It was forced. Mm. Um, I was working in the Spain-US Chamber of Commerce up to the year 2012. And I was holding the position of the executive director. And it was an amazing position because um, I was able to help and promote companies from Spain who wanted to do business in the United States. Um, 
something happened that changed my life and it was that, that I lost my job and I was always scared to go by my own. I was not a natural entrepreneur. There are some people who know that they want to be entrepreneurs since they were born. And I know many young people who knows that they wanted to do something, but that was not the case with me. I was not safe being an entrepreneur because I wanted to have the security to have a salary and to know at all times what's going on. So basically what happened is that when that situation happened that I was fired from my job, then I realized that if I get any other job, I will still be fired again because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was such a rebel and um, this is who am I. And I like to do things my own. And I realized that if I wanted to do things my own, then I have to create my own. So that is exactly what I make a decision. So actually this helped me so much. And I think it's one of the things that I'm more grateful in my life for, because in life, sometimes when you're not able to move, the universe moves you. And in this case, the universe moved me. And in that decision, I, I decided to just embrace my fears and even though that I was terrified, I just did it. And that doesn't mean that I'm not terrified right now. Even at this particular moment of my life, I'm still terrified. <laughs> but you learn to live with your fears. You learn to live in a roller coaster. You learn to live with the unknown. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you really could not predict the future. You could have a vision. You could have a plan. You could have a strategy. But it's true that you also need to be ready for the unknown and that sometimes situations come that are out of your control and there is circumstances that you have to deal with. What helped me really to deal with that, it was the passion that I like to do what I do. And in this case, everything justified that feeling. And secondly, it was the belief in me and the belief in a higher power that is God. So when you definitely thinking, okay, I know that I'm going through something. I know it's difficult. I know that I have a project and I know that it's not gonna be just like this, but when you definitely have this conviction that if you put 100% of yourself on it and you allow also that the divine helps you, then you go and you make it. What would you say were some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome um, in that journey? And how do you overcome those challenges? I had sometimes situations dealing with um, relationships, professional relationships that they became very hard because you have a different vision of doing things. And sometimes you have um, bosses and people on top of you that sometimes they have a different vision. So that was challenges. And I think um, that one important thing to take into account is humility. And it's one thing, one of the biggest mistakes I made in my life is that sometimes when you are successful very early in life, you don't know really how to handle that success. And I was very arrogant at some points and you believe sometimes that you have it all and that you have the whole information. So I didn't really listen so much because uh, I was running also so fast. I was so stressed and 
power hungry, that I didn't really have a time to really sit and think where I'm going. And the reason why that happens is because I come in from a culture where you measure success by the amount of money that you have and by the title that you have. So being the daughter of an immigrant, it was an achievement for me to have a position that most black people or African people never had. And I took responsibility not only for myself, but for the whole country and the whole continent. <laughs> wow. So I put that um, weight in my shoulders. And because of that weight, I was not able to really move because you, you're having a huge responsibility. And also you are looking for external validation. So you always constantly need that people tells you how successful you are and you know it to show the success and you need to be proving yourself all the time. So that was extremely painful, but I did that in automatic pilot because I was not really aware of it. So then I took a year of reflection and I realized why I was in the situation that I was and what I fell out of grace. The reason why was that one, that I was not really listening to my own voice. I was listening to the voices of family, traditions, um, cultural beliefs, all of this. But I was not really listening to my, myself. And I was so connected to the identity that gave me a title. That I didn't know how to be a leader without a title. Because I was my job. But the moment that I realized that I was not my job and I could be myself being only Visila Bococo and being me and I could create value out of who I am, that also brings me so much joy and it shifts something out of me. And then I realized that I could give more and better because then I knew, I knew what I was doing it. And I knew that I was not doing it only for me. I was also doing it for the next generations. Do you think that your identity and this cultural background, or the cultural, um, the sociocultural identity has influenced your level of dedication or your passion and your interests and your work? It did. It did. I think we could not separate ourselves from our cultural heritage because you look in the mirror every single day and you know what is your heritage. You know where you're coming from. So you could not separate that from that. And also because we're coming from a history where either colonization or either slavery, it's in our DNA. It is very difficult to separate out of that. So that is gonna give you a different relationship with the world and with the identity. So of course it has a value because what I heard when I was little is like, you could not be like anybody else. If you do craziness, everybody will look at you. Because I grew up in a little town of Valencia. So I knew that if in the high school I was the only black, I needed to behave well. Because if I do what my, great, my friends were doing, a lot of people were going out every single night, doing drugs, having fun, then I would not be making a difference. And I always have this level of responsibility because my father, my mother told me always, people are looking at you. And also it's true. It's not that they're telling me that, it's that I experienced it because 
anytime I go to a party or I go to somewhere, I know the only kid in the room that is black. I went to university and I also was the only African in the university, Afro-descendant. So that have a huge influence in how you work because then you work twice or three times more than others and you need to continuously prove yourself that you are able and capable. And what would you say are some of your biggest accomplishments to date? And or what are you most proud of? My children, I have two. I think that when you bring a life, it's such an amazing gift and an amazing responsibility that I think that this is what I'm really proud of. I mean, every day they remind me what is life about and they remind me why I should be on track and they make me a better person. So, and now, now they are my teachers. Of course, now they are teenagers and uh, they give me advices. <laughs> and <laughs> So I think definitely I'm very proud of one of my biggest achievements in life is that. And also I'm proud of my libraries in Africa. I'm proud of the project that I created doing libraries in Africa. I'm an avid reader. I love reading. I love books. I could not uh, enhance enough the importance that is to educate yourself. And education is not only go to university and have a title. Education is every single day. Normally I read about 52 books a year. Wow. This, and this is one book a, a week. This is one of the commitments. And not always I read, I read completely different um, industries and different things to get to know about things that are outside of what I normally do and to think out of the box. Talking about a bit about the African Literacy Project, how did that, how did that come into reality? How did that happen? It happened because the first time I went to Africa, it was in 2009. And this was also a huge impact in my life because I realized that all the children that I was meeting in rural areas, I saw a part of myself in each of them. And I realized that the only difference between them and I was that I had access to education. And that gave me the opportunity to make a choice. And the issue there is that they didn't have choices. And I do believe that even if you don't have the income to go to schools and universities, you still have access now through many, many uh, platforms to get the information that you need to get. And I do believe that with a book, you're never alone. And that a book open up pathways to see things. It has not only the educational aspect, I also believe it has a spiritual aspect. Anytime you open a book, you're developing a relationship with the author. This author is going with you hand in hand and it becomes your mentor. So I do believe that when I was able to share that gift with other people and different communities in Africa, like in Kenya, in Zimbabwe, in Uganda, Ghana, Nigeria, Equatorial Guinea. Well, it's like to give a part of the key of my success to all these other kids. That's how I see it. And what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? One of the things that I believe that it was a great advice is that to always be 
good to everyone because the same people that you see when you're going up, you see them when you're going down. And by my experiences, that it's very important. It's one of the best advices that I got in my life because it is true. And if you're able to see everyone in the same way and regard them like a human being and you connect with humans, in the bad times, you will always have someone who's going to be there for you. Because it's so easy to be surrendered by people when everything is great. Because, of course, everybody's attracted by good news, about success, glamour, all of these things. Everybody wants to be close to winning, but nobody wants to be close to the losers. In that times, when you're being kind to everyone and grateful for the people who has been in your journey and help you, then you will always feel good because you know that you're going to have your unconditional people no matter what. And, and I'm very, very fortunate that I had that, yeah, particularly in my family, that they has been my biggest supporters, my parents and my brothers. This has been amazing. <laughs> and they give, they give me so much. I think everyone also needs a support system. So now actually looking back at your life up to now, um, and obviously you've received, as you said, lots of advice from different people. What, what do you wish that you would have known or someone had told you, you know, when you were younger, when you were going through, you know, the changes, the confusion, the I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know exactly maybe who I am yet. What do you wish you had known and what advice would you give to young people out there or to other people experiencing similar feelings? I wish I knew that I was responsible of my own future. Also, um, I didn't think out of the box. Most of the people who we come in from African families, we believe that we only can shine through a profession, established profession. And it's something that is not only applied to me. My mother has been in her job for 40 years. She retired in the same job and it's the same. Uh, my father has more an entrepreneurship mindset, but I do believe that people really, um, we are scared to think out of the box and we are scared from a free fall. And then we want to establish ourselves in the path, stay in your path. So if you're an architect, or you're a doctor, you stay in your path. And it's we, we, it's not so easy to jump out of your comfort zone and space. I'm living my dream today. So I know that everyone is capable of living their dream. I'm not different from you. You are exactly the same. And I do believe that when you really design your life, and you're able to take that responsibility and you lose the fear that of failure or that everything could go wrong, that's okay. Sometimes we fail, but you keep going and you have a dream in the horizon. That's your dream, you can make it happen. I have to have a really deep spiritual journey and also to change completely my belief system. And I did that through books and because I really invest a lot in mentors, in coaching, in different ways of seeing and training my mindset. So 
Now, that's the reason why in the last five years, I've been doing it for others through my conferences, through my speaking engagements. And the feedback that I got so far, <laughs> it's good because something shifts in the person when they hear this voice and when they hear someone who has gone through that. I walk the walk. So because I walk the walk, I'm talking from the experience. We all have a dream factory and we could definitely make it happen.